Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. Last week we were in Luke chapter 15, and I started out with the first uh, several verses, I think the first 16 verses, and talking about the prodigal son. And what Jesus is trying to do here in this chapter is really one of the three things that he came to earth to do. Jesus came to, first of all, reveal the Father. And that's what he's doing here in Luke 15. He's revealing the heart of the Father, which also reveals the heart of himself. He also came to reveal the kingdom of God. And then he also came to set the captives free, to seek and to save the lost. Amen? Those are the three main things that he did. So he's doing his top priority in Luke chapter 15 by revealing who the Father is, by using parables. And he uses these parables to really open up our eyes and get us to begin to think. And it really takes us beyond recognizing who God the Father is and who Jesus Christ the Son is, but also who we are as sons and daughters. And so there's an awful lot that we can glean from this this morning. And there's a scripture that really says what Jesus is doing here in this chapter. And it's in John 1, 18, out of the Passion Translation. It says this, No one ever before gazed upon the full splendor of God except his uniquely beloved Son. Are you with me? Who is cherished by the Father and held close to his heart. Now that he has come to us, he has unfolded the full explanation of who God truly is. That's saying there that Jesus is the one who knows the Father. Really, they are one. And because of that, he has come and he's going to reveal who he is. What a blessing it is to have revelation. In fact... Jesus said to Peter, upon this revelation, what was the revelation? That Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? That's the revelation that he's going to build his church. And so you and I, we need to be people who are more and more, each and every day, we're building a foundation upon a foundation, line upon line, precept upon precept of learning who God the Father is, who Jesus Christ the Son is, and who we are as sons and daughters. Because that's what he's going to build the church on. So as we recap from last week, Jesus speaks, he's speaking to two groups. He's speaking to the tax collectors and sinners. Now why does he say tax collectors and sinners? He's letting us know that in this group of sinners, tax collectors were part of the family. You understand that tax collectors were Jews who were charging their fellow man, their fellow Jewish believers, excessive amounts for taxes. So somebody within the family was sinning greatly. That's why they were so hated. And isn't it amazing? Here we have this younger son who's in the family, and he's going to sin against that family. 
So we have these two groups, and that's why Jesus uses two sons. The younger son lines right up with the tax collectors and the sinners, and the older son lines right up with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were the religious group. They were the ones who were trying to do everything right. They were trying to follow all the rules, and that's what the younger or the older son was doing. He stayed at home. He was being a good boy. He was trying to follow all the rules. In fact, he told his father, we'll read it later, I never did anything outside of what you told me to do. I always stayed here and I was really good. And so I want to challenge us this morning to see which of those two groups that you and I either belong in now or we have belonged in in the past. I think every single person on the face of the earth falls within one of those two categories, either now or in the past. We need to be redeemed from both groups. Amen? We need to be redeemed. We need to be saved from being tax collectors and sinners. That's salvation. We also need to be redeemed from being goody two-shoes, trying to follow all the rules and think we're going to get, gain our righteousness because of our right doing. Neither one are correct. So we followed the first 16 verses reading these three different parables. The lost sheep, he goes out and saves the one and had left the 99, and they celebrate. There's a lost coin, he goes, uh, the woman sweeps her house, she finds the lost coin, they celebrate. And now we have these two sons, the two sons because of the two groups. So in verse 17, now we start out, when he finally came to his senses, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life had finally taken its toll on this young man. So when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. That's repentance. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. This son does one thing right and he does one thing wrong. The thing that he does right is that he repents and he goes back to his father. The thing that he does wrong is he does not recognize who he is as being a son. He called him father, but then he began to uh, he been, began to see himself and, and connect himself as a servant. So the, re, the son returns, but he really wasn't returning as a son. He was just returning as a sinner. Well, we need to return to the Father as a sinner, but then receive that repentance, receive that forgiveness because we repented, and then enter back into the sonship, the daughtership of who we are in Christ Jesus. Because that's the way grace works. Grace works because our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. And though this son had sinned, and he had sinned greatly, we talked about that in the, 
a little bit more in depth last week how gross really he had sinned against his family. You know, servants work to pay back. Sons work to pay forward. Servants work to be blessed, you know, get the paycheck. But sons work to be a blessing. I'm not here for blessing. But we receive blessing so that we can go out and be a blessing. Amen? That's what sons and daughters do. We're not looking to be blessed. He just blesses us because he's so good. And then we in turn go out and be a blessing. That's what we should be asking for. Lord, help me to be a tremendous blessing in the kingdom. I know you're going to bless me. You have to. That's where my supply comes from. Servants work to pay back. Sons work to pay forward. Servants work to be, get blessed. Sons work to be a blessing. It's uh, true sons and daughters that make the best servants. You know, Jesus taught us that whenever he washed his disciples' feet. We are to be the best servants. But we have the right heart in all that. This son finally remembered what all his father had. Orphans or worldly servants serve from need to get. Do you understand that? Orphans or worldly servants serve from need to get. Godly sons and daughters serve from abundance to give. Now you may say, well, I'm not living in abundance. Well, you have that opportunity because you're a son or a daughter. We all have the abundance to live, or we all have the ability to live in his abundance. And what we have to do is begin to enter into his presence. There is abundance and there is joy forevermore. Hallelujah. So we begin to see the father's heart coming up here. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. That's a sign of position. Get a ring for his finger. That's a sign of authority. And sandals for his feet. That was a sign of sonship because it was the servants, it was the slaves that were barefoot. Whenever you are a son or you were a daughter, you had sandals on your feet. Praise the Lord. So we have, we have to understand that sonship is a position, not necessarily a condition. It's a position, not necessarily a condition. However, understanding our position in Christ will eventually change your condition. Do you believe that? I believe that. I know that the longer I walk with Him, the more He's going to bless me. The closer I get to Him, the more abundance I will have. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about joy, peace, patience. I've, I've spoken to you on many occasions. Isn't it a wonderful way to live when you can live in peace and you can live in joy? It's an amazing way to live hallelujah and those things are imparted to us whenever we are seeking after him and it becomes not only your position it becomes your condition hallelujah verse 23 and kill the calf we have been fattening we must celebrate with a feast 
Jesus, rather than receiving a robe of honor, let's look at the contrast. Jesus, rather than receiving a robe of honor, was stripped and humiliated so that we can be adorned in a robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. And he too will one day return with a white robe on a white horse. And he's going to have that sash across his chest of gold. And it's going to say, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Jesus, rather than receiving a ring which represented authority, he was given a crown of thorns. They mocked his real power and authority. But he said later, all power and authority has been given unto me. Therefore, you go. So he lost it. He laid it down so that he could once again take it up. And he laid it down so that you and I could have it. Hallelujah. And rather than sandals on his feet, he received a nail through his feet. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Isaiah 53, 5. And Jesus, rather than partaking of the fatted calf, he was given a hyssop of vinegar so that you and I can partake of the great banquet prepared one of these days in the new heaven and the new earth. Jesus sacrificed all so that you and I could have all. Hallelujah. What a great gift. Verse 24, for the son of mine, now this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Do you realize that whenever you came to Christ, there was a celebration in heaven? The angels rejoiced. Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Do you ever just pause and thank God for your salvation? Do you ever just, we should be doing this every Sunday, at least whenever we take communion. Thanking him for what he did for us. Hallelujah. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. Do you know this is the second time that the father had come out for one of his sons? He came out for the younger son. He came out for the older son. Now, why was this older son, what was he doing? He was basically whining and complaining. Because it goes on in verse 29. He replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends whining he's just whining why was he concerned about having a goat he owned the goats amen think about it whenever the younger son took his one-third the older son got all the rest the other two-thirds all the goats belong to him why is he concerned about never receiving a goat he's whining and we have to be very careful when we are doing that because think of what happened to the israelites they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And if you're in a wilderness place right now, you're not supposed to be there. Could it be because you're whining? Because you're complaining? We should be praising our way through the dry land. We should be worshiping 
Whenever we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're not supposed to stay there. Worship your way through those situations and you'll get back to the oasis. I'll guarantee you. Hallelujah. Yet when the son, the son of yours came back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Verse 31, his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Now let's begin to think about these two sons once again. The young son only wanted the father's stuff and not the father himself. He was disobedient, wasteful, and bad. The older son, he also only wanted the father's stuff, but he was obedient, conservative, and good. The younger son was trying to gain control by leaving and disobeying, and the older son was trying to gain control by staying and obeying. And do you see that neither situation is right, and all of us at one time or another fit into those same categories. We've either gone out and, and sinned in the world, or we've been very, very good and trying to do the right thing, but really for the wrong reasons. Trying to do the right thing without God himself. You can go out and sin and be away from God, but you can also be here every Sunday and still be away from God. And God doesn't want either one of those. They're just one is just as bad as the other. And so take inventory this morning. Are you doing the right things for the right reason? Many times we need to be repenting of both. I have sinned and I've done a lot of the right stuff. And I need to repent of both of those because I was doing the right things for the wrong reasons. And you're obviously doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons. Many times we need to be repenting of both of those. The parable in its context is being told once again to tax collectors and sinners and the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus, the great storyteller, he, he does something different here in this parable. He doesn't really let us know how this story ends. Here's Jesus, the great, greatest storyteller of all time. He doesn't tell us what happens to the young son after he's returned home. In comparison to what the older son is going to do. He doesn't tell us how the older son responds. He kind of leaves that up in the air. And there's three things that need to take place for restoration to the father. One is the initiating love of the father to the sons. Do you know that there has been an initiation of the Father's love unto each and every one of us? Do you remember whenever you first sensed God's love or your very first? I remember when Virgil Jackson, Jackson first shared Jesus Christ with me. And I had no idea before that about the love of the Father towards me. We love him because he first loved us. We need to repent for something more than just our sin. We also need to repent of the reason why we were doing good. 
So when we repent of our self-righteousness, we then know that we have truly transferred our guilt totally to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we must have revelation on the cost of the payment for the restoration. This here is where it really gets good. We have, must have revelation on the cost. In Luke 15, Jesus is surrounded by the tax collectors and the sinners, which is the younger brother, and the scribes and the Pharisees, the older brother. Jesus tells the three parables. So what did it cost the father to have his younger son restored? Some people would say, well, it, it cost him a ring, a robe, a pair of sandals, and a fattened calf. But really, that's not true because all of those things belong to the older son. It was the responsibility of the older son. This is what I found out about Eastern culture. It was really the responsibility of the older son to go and find the younger son, his younger brother, and have him restored. Let's think about that for a moment. It was not the responsibility of the father. The father had conferred the responsibility of the younger son being misbehaving. That responsibility was conferred to the older son. Why is that? Well, if you read in Deuteronomy and you read in Leviticus, if the younger son ever got married and he didn't have children, it was the responsibility of the older son to make sure that his name carried on. He was supposed to take on his wife. There's all kinds of different things in the Levitical law that the other son is responsible for. And whenever he goes astray, it was his responsibility. It was his burden. It was his cost to go and find his brother and have him restored to the family. Do you see the connection? God the Father has conferred the responsibility of you and I coming back to Him, to the Son. Hallelujah. And what did Jesus do about it? He did the most perfect thing anyone could do. He paid the ultimate price for each and every one of us. He not only gave out of his wealth, he gave out of his very being. He hung on a cross. He was buried and died for our sin. He took all of our sin, all of our failure, all of even our right stuff that we do for the wrong reason. And he took it on himself and he took it to the grave and he buried it. But three days later, he arose. And we're going to celebrate that in three weeks. Because Jesus had all of the responsibility of you and I conferred onto him. And he did the right thing. He went and gave of himself so that you and I could be free. Hallelujah. Can you imagine what would have happened in this family? This is why God doesn't, didn't finish the story. He wants us to finish the story. He wants us to figure out what all's going on here. I wonder if the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees ever realized that Jesus himself was relating them to the older son. 
I wonder if the tax collectors and the sinners ever realized that Jesus was saying, you're this younger son. Which one are you? I know in my own life, I've been both. I've sinned. And I fall short of the glory of God. My testimony, I've told, there's some of you here who haven't heard it. My testimony is that I, I was a good guy. I was class president. I was popular in school. I was in four sports a year. I lived, lived a, a good, I'd come from a good family. I received a ticket one time for having my car jacked up three and a half inches too high. I mean, I was a bad boy. But do you know that all of my goodness was just as filthy as the worst sinner? I was going to hell just the same as the most violent murderer. So my goodness is as filthy rags before a holy and righteous God. I've been both. I've been a sinner. And I've been self-righteous. And do you know self-righteousness is a stench in the nostrils of God? I'm not saying I don't want you to be good. Let's all be good. But I think one of the biggest problems we have in our community is goodness. You know, there's a lot of good people going to hell. Because you can be as good as you can possibly be. And if you don't have Jesus. Do you feel where I'm coming from? We're beginning to deal with drugs and alcohol out here in the cornfields. Like a lot of other city communities. But our biggest problem is goodness. And this morning, I'm calling somebody home. I'm calling you back. I'm calling you to repent. Repent of your sin. I'm calling you this morning to repent of your goodness. Of your self-righteousness. God showed us through Jesus Christ... The two sons. But he's also showed us his heart. And his heart is that regardless of what we've done. No matter how vile we've been. No matter how good we think we've been. He saved us from ourselves. That's who I usually need saved from. I need saved from myself. And this morning, I think there's some here this morning that you need to be saved from yourself. Either your sin or your self-righteousness. So let's all stand and I'm going to call you up this morning and we're going to have someone pray with you. And if you feel conviction in either of those areas or both of those areas, don't 
Don't be proud and not come forward. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. So as Paul sings, would you come forward if you would like prayer for either your sin or your self-righteousness. Now in Jesus' name. I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I opened up my heart to you. I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I opened up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy I never want to leave Oh, I'm not here for blessing Jesus, you don't owe me anything And more than anything that you can do I just want I just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. with me father i know that there are ones being dealt with this morning and i'd ask you to just meet them right where they're at cause cause there to be a transformation take place in the hearts of your people this morning and i thank you for that i thank you lord for speaking for moving for doing what only you can do in the hearts of your people. We bless you and give you praise in Jesus' name.